Hey everybody, Xavier here, and welcome to the Godcast. Today we will be talking about a fascinating ancient religion that emerged around the turn of the age of late antiquity. This religion was arguably, according to some scholars, the world's first world religion. If that is true, that would mean that Jesus, yes, Jesus, the Jesus of Christianity and the Jesus of Islam, entered the world stage not as the second member of the Trinity, according to most Christian denominations, and not as one of the greatest prophets ever, as stated in Islamic theology, but rather as one of about four universal prophets all spreading one message, but to each different part of the world. These individuals were, interestingly enough, Buddha, Zoroaster, Jesus, and, well, the founder of Manichaeism, Mani. Today, we'll be diving into the history of Manichaeism, starting with the life of its founder and detailing its theology, creed, and customs. Prophet Mani, the founder of Manichaeism, lived from roughly 216 to 277. He was born close to the Tigris River, close to what is now Baghdad in the Sasanian Empire, the last of the Persian Empire slash dynasties that held all of Iran before the Arab Muslim invasion and conquest, although there was still technically a Zoroastrian kingdom that held part of Iran, but that unfortunately fell later. The Sasanian Empire was a super cosmopolitan environment, both religiously, ethnically, and culturally. Zoroastrianism was the state religion and was very orthodox and more influential than it was in previous dynasties, probably being the most influential during the Sasanian period of Mani than, well, any other era in Persian history. This was when Zoroastrianism was concentrated in the hands of clerics, making it a state religion, making it the state religion and a very orthodox version of Zoroastrianism was the one that prevailed in the Sasanian Empire. Unfortunately, the conservativeness of the imperial Zoroastrian clergy led to Mani's death. He was later executed by the imperial Zoroastrian magi. This was called a crucifixion, but he probably died in prison or was hanged. Keep in mind that at this time, there was no such thing as quote-unquote orthodox Christianity. It was more in its proto-orthodox form. There was no such thing as the Trinity that, had not, that would not come into being until 325 at the First Council of Nicaea. Some people have said that Nestorianism was present in the Near East, Nestorianism being a quote-unquote Christian heresy that basically said that there were actually two beings within Jesus, Jesus the man and Jesus the God. Buddhism was also in reach as a result of the Sasanian Empire conquering Central Asia, making this an incredibly, incredibly cosmopolitan environment. You had, of course, well, you had many different people groups within Iran, and not only that, but with the Sasanian Empire emerging, you now had a new renewal of Persian culture. And not only that, but you had various Jewish, Christian, and Christian sects, and you had Zoroastrian state orthodoxy, and you had Buddhism within reach. This, this becomes absolutely crucial in the formation of Manichaean theology. Mani spent the first roughly 20 years of his life as a part of a Jewish Christian Baptist sect. 
This was a Baptist sect who, much like the Mandaeans, who, by the way, still exist today, frequently performed baptisms. Some scholars have thought that Mani, well, actually, most scholars think that Mani was part of a sect called the Elkasites. However, after receiving a vision from his heavenly twin at age 12, and then again at age 24, Mani left the sect to start his own religion, after where there were disputes between the teachings that he received from his heavenly twin and, well, a lack of acceptance from his peers. Mani, as stated before, received his first revelation in 228 CE and his second revelation in 240 CE. The prophetic mission of Mani existed from about 240 to 277 CE. Mani left the Baptist sect at age 24 after his spiritual twin appeared to him again, as said before, and, well, the fellow members of his sect rejected his teachings, so he left and started his own religion. Mani went on extensive missionary journeys, paving the way for Manichaeans after him to have, well, a very strong missionary tradition. Mani himself may have traveled as far as the mouth of the Indus River. Back home in the Sasanian Empire, Mani was supported by Shapur I, who became his patron, Shapur I being one of the greatest Persian rulers, especially during the time of late antiquity. Roughly speaking, Shapur I was an amazing ruler who governed the Sasanian Empire and defeated not one, but two, but three Roman emperors, actually taking one into actually taking one captive, which had never, ever happened before in Roman history. Shapur I was interested by Mani's ideas and funded him as a patron. This made Manichaeism, well, this put Manichaeism in favor with the royal elite. However, unfortunately, Mani was executed when Shapur I's successor, well, didn't like him, and yeah, the Orthodox Zoroastrian clergy, well, a lot of them weren't exactly a huge fan either, so unfortunately, Mani was killed. However, his legacy would live on in the rapidly expanding religion that he had founded called Manichaeism. But what did Manichaeans believe? Well, let's see. The first tenet, so to speak, of Manichaeism is, is incredible universalism. Uh, Mani was the restorer, so to speak, of the teachings of Zarathustra, or Zoroaster, the Buddha, and then later Jesus. Zora Zarathustra, who came to Earth, or Zarathustra, who lived on Earth from, well, between literally 6,000 BCE and 600 BCE, was sent, according to Manichaeans, to the central region of the world. Whereas the Buddha, who was who lived around 500 BCE, came to the eastern region of the world, the Indian subcontinent and other eastern areas. Whereas Jesus, who, well, conveniently was born in around zero, around the year zero, which doesn't really exist since, you know, the entire calendar is kind of based around his birth, but um, Jesus was Jesus, who was born around the turn of, turn of the Common Era, according to Manichaean thought, was, was sent to preach the message of God to the Near East. Mani, who was born in the Sasanian Empire, around, as stated before, the beginning of the 3rd century CE, well, he was there to spread the message to the whole world. Mani was a massive fan of Jesus. In fact, most Manichaeans would have probably called themselves Christian, and Mani took an especial liking after Jesus to the Apostle Paul. 
Uh, Monty calls himself an apostle of Jesus, styling himself after Paul and going on extensive missionary journeys as far as India and writing letters. Uh, his letters reflective of Paul, who lived only about 150 years earlier, if you can even imagine that. I mean, that's so someone who's you know, really into early Christianity. That's, whoa, that's like, if, if we put that in our context, that would be like if Paul lived in 18, around 1850, around uh, 1870. That'd be like if Paul lived around 1870 in our uh, modern-day perspective. Interestingly, in one of his only partially surviving epistles, all of his texts, Monty's texts, unfortunately, exist in fragments. Uh, called This one is called the Fundamental Epistle. Monty actually introduce, introduces himself as an apostle of Jesus the Christ. It's very fascinating to just look at this and see the interesting Christian influence, but also some degree of quote-unquote Gnostic thought, given that there is the word Gnosis. But unlike Gnosticism, which was a quote-unquote heresy, although it wasn't a unified homogenous group of people who shared common ideas about the origin of the universe, the God of the Old Testament or the Tanakh, and Jesus and the spiritual matter within everyone, those people had their own specific like theology that sort of unified all the different currents of Gnosticism. Um, well, unlike them, quote-unquote Gnosis was simply just knowledge that you obtained from reading Manichaean texts that were open to everyone. In Manichaeism, there was no initiation structure. There was no structure of initiates. If you look at this text, interestingly enough, you'll see the phrase, quote, the invisible God, and, quote, light. But you also see things like Holy Spirit and the aforementioned Apostle of Jesus the Christ. Uh, these are, of course, uh, two of which are, of course, familiar, two of which are, are not familiar with, with God being invisible. Uh, in, in Manichaeism, God is, an, is a very transcendent, impersonal being, which we'll get to later. And, well, the Holy Spirit is actually different from the paraclete. Mani himself identified with the paraclete in the New Testament. Uh, the paraclete in its proper context is actually the Holy Spirit, leading some people to claim that Mani rejected the Acts of the Apostles, a book in the New Testament that unmistakably shows that the paraclete is the Holy Spirit. Manichaeism, along with having a strong missionary tradition, well, it had a strong tradition of adapting Manichaeism to fit the styles and cultures of other places. Uh, Manichaeans would use Iranian transliterations and Zoroastrian terminology, but would adapt their terms to fit the local people, with Mani being called the Buddha of Light, as an example in the Asian and Indian regions of the world. Uh, Manichaeism essentially looked like, well, what was around it. Sasanian Manichaeism, Manichaeism looked a lot more like Zoroastrianism and or Jewish uh, Christian uh, culture, whereas in India, China, and Central Asia, well, Manichaeism tended to look a lot more Buddhist. Additionally, most Manichaean psalms resemble Christian hymns except for only a few lines. Regarding cosmology, Manichaeans preached a strong dualism. In Manichaean thought, there was light, and light is trapped inside of everyone's body. Regarding soteriology, uh, which is the study of salvation, well, Manichaeans believe that, that, no, that salvation was twofold. There was gnosis, knowledge about the true nature of reality, but not like in, a, not like in classic, not classical Gnosticism, which it was kept secret from you. Think of Sethianism or Valentinianism, which were, which were classic currents of Gnosticism, in, in which you would have to actually learn, um, go through an initiation process. Of course, you still have to obviously learn about uh, the secrets of the universe of Manichaeism, but it wouldn't be 
taught to you over, over an extended period of time of initiation, unlike Sethianism or like Sethianism and Valentinianism, because in Sethianism and Valentinianism, well, you had to go through a process of initiation. In, in Manichaeism, Manichaeism, you simply asked, asked someone or read a text. Secondly, Manichaeans believed that works, was, works were necessary for salvation, it appears. An excerpt from the parable about the two snakes is translated from the Sogdian language, says, quote, Ultimately, the old man without good works is the one who cannot jump over the three ditches with the tail of the body. But the chosen new man has purged the three poisons from the body and has borne in his body the agony caused by observing the law. And he can endure separation from his dear wife and children and from riches. And on the, the final day, his soul will rise from the body and will attain the peace of paradise. Interestingly enough, Paul often spoke about not observing the law. He often said, well, if you do something nice, you have fulfilled the law. It seems like Monty didn't exactly take to Paul's reasoning and said, well, actually, you do have to obey the law. What that law is, is, well, I, I would assume you can only speculate what he meant by the law. I think he, by the law, he simply meant his own teachings compounded onto things in the, in the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament or Tanakh, whichever one you prefer. Regarding cosmology, every human and plant and animal has, well, a supernatural light imprisoned in them. Well, how did this happen? Well, the universe was created by a battle between the good god, often called Zervan, which is, by the way, the Zoroastrian time spirit in Zoroastrianism, um, and the evil god, who is called the Prince of Darkness. The universe was created when the sphere of darkness of the evil god and the sphere of light of the good god came into contact. There is light within everything, including plants, for example, and also it's in pretty much everything in the universe, at least everything that's living. This There's a fascinating story in which Mani is in his, is part of his Baptist sect, the sect in which the Jewish Christian Baptist sect, not obviously modern-day Baptists, but what he's doing is he is like walking around and then someone one of his fellow brethren is cutting down a palm tree and the palm tree cries out in pain initially there is another story of a vegetable being picked crying out to money in pain uh manichaeans believed in reincarnation which led them to believe in antinatalism the, the belief that you shouldn't have kids for ethical reasons um mean that you shouldn't reproduce for ethical reasons manichaeans believe that the that the the material world was well created as a as was, was is the halfway point so to speak between the good the sphere of goodness and light and the sphere of evilness and darkness so well it's probably best that uh, we try to uh, not be there and just simply be in the sphere of light um, using gnosis which is a gnostic term but redefined to mean the knowledge in the sacred text of the religion that were as i said before open to everyone instead of only initiates people could escape reincarnation and eventually go to heaven other other gnostic terms like the term ion were used to describe the, be the beings of light who accompanied the good god while archons were used to describe demonic beings like in the manichaean book of the Gi book of giants which is a text also found in the dead sea scrolls among the dead sea scrolls in the qumran complex in the judean desert manichaeans believed in a final judgment heaven and hell the origin myth of manichaeism is fascinating and sheds insight into why exactly there were there's all these light things 
inside of us and inside of pretty much everything, at least everything living. living. Essentially, the story goes that the father of greatness is the transcendent God who emanates, meaning asexually reproduces, increasingly less divine beings, some of which were high-ranking light beings called, called ions. This sounds very similar to Gnosticism. The first man, a being who was created from the first emanation, was sent to fight the evil inhabitants of the dark sphere, but was captured and his sons were taken from him. However, beings from the second emanation, being the second batch of asexually reproduced beings from the father of greatness, the transcendent light god, came to save the man, the primal man, as he's called, or the first man, by reminding him of his true mission and, well, of his true origin in the light sphere. They fastened these ions of the second emanation, fastened the universe from darkness in an attempt to free the light that was trapped in the darkness. Therefore, it is our job to recognize this truth and follow proper Manichaean practices in order for us to be saved, in order for us to transcend this reality and go live with the father of greatness and the ions forever. Regarding the structure of Manichaeism, it was generally divided into two classes, the ascetic elect, who are vegetarian traveling holy men relying upon the hearers or the lay people, who are the second category, and the vast majority of Manichaeans, to pick their food for them. Picking vegetables was considered to be murder, so the elect blessed the, the hearers to absolve them before eating the food. Missionaries relied upon the support of local Manichaean communities, as did the elect when they traveled from village to village. According to a secondary source, the Manichaeans prayed five times a day, um, from noon, or rather at noon, late in the afternoon, after sunset, and three hours later. However, unfortunately, with frequent oppression all throughout the world, Manichaeism, especially in the Parthian and Roman Empire, Manichaeism slowly died out, um, and there was only about, roughly speaking, one Manichaean temple on earth left today. However, there are people who claim to be practicing Manichaeans today, one of whom actually visited our channel. So massive uh, recognition to uh, that person and a big shout out. Uh, that being said, uh, this has been the Godcast and this has been an episode on Manichaeism. If you like, if you'd like this episode, please consider subscribing. And that being said, I'm Xavier. This has been the Godcast and stay tuned.